0: Thank you, Clay. I sort of uh, inadequate now. Following him, I understand y'all had Brother uh, David Williams has been out here, Brother Rodney Jones, and of course Brother Jeff. And uh, if you knew that I was coming today and you still came, thank you. <laughs> Brother Jeff told me that he was going to tell you that if you didn't know I was coming and you came, God bless you too. So, uh, I want to speak to you this morning about uh, something we sort of hit on in Sunday school, and it seems like just about everywhere we go that the Sunday school we try to go for Sunday school if we're going to be in a in a church, if we can, in any way we can make it, and usually for some reason the Sunday school lesson will tie in some way with the message that God has laid upon my. Heart, and God has not yet failed to give me a message to bring each Sunday. But this morning I want to talk to you about counterfeit. Counterfeit. Any of you ever have any counterfeit money? Ever got a hold of any counterfeit money? Ever made any counterfeit money? <laughs> no? Well, you know, it's out there. The only thing I guess I've ever got a hold of maybe is a Canadian penny, and if you were careful, you could just pass it on off as, the real thing too, but you know we have counterfeit people all around us, we see them in the workplace, wherever we go, uh, of course on the news, politicians, there's always people posing to be something that they are not. I read a few weeks ago that right now we have about, I think it said 2,500 Elvis impersonators in the United States, 2,500 Elvis impersonators, trying to be somebody that they're not. Worldwide, there's about 35,000 of those Elvis impersonators. They're trying to be somebody that they're not, but we find them everywhere we go. Those who are, we say sometimes phony. They even get into our churches, and it's what a shame now we talked about this, but they even get into our pulpits also. Counterfeit. Talk about counterfeit Christians. Sometimes we call those hypocrites, don't we? Actors, somebody that's putting on a face, somebody that's trying to be something that they're not, somebody that is phony. You know, we can know somebody for years. We can go to church with somebody for years and really not know anything really about what's in their heart. No one knows but Jesus. And you know, it's, it's amazing to me that we have people in our churches today, who've come to church for years and years, and they might know the scriptures, they know the Bible, but they don't really know Jesus. I heard an account uh, some weeks ago, and I've used this before, about a pastor who was invited to go to a pastor's conference up in North Carolina. And it was one of those outings where he was able to take his family with him. And he had a teenage daughter, and he took his wife and his daughter, and he went up to the mountains of North Carolina, where this recruit, this uh, retreat was going to be held for these pastors, uh, mostly of small churches, and as they got there, of course, the teenage daughter was bored. Can you all imagine that? So she started trying to find some other teenagers to do something with, and she got with two more girls, and one of them had a car she was able to drive, so they were riding around through the hills and the mountain roads of North Carolina. And they came upon a sign out in front of a community center, and it said, Cook Family Reunion. So they devised a plan amongst themselves that they would go into that family reunion and just see how long they could go undetected. So as they come through the front doors, the family had put up a family tree, had all of the ancestors written out there, and the girls walked up, and they tried to pick the most distant relative that they could find. He was Uncle Willie. Some of you might have an Uncle Willie. I don't know. They said they were going to be Uncle Willie's grandchildren. So they go in and they begin to mingle with the crowd that's there, all of the Cook family. And everything is going real well. They're really making it. They're they're doing quite well. And all of a sudden this older gentleman comes up who knew Uncle Willie. And he looked at them up and down and he kind of acted like he probably knew that they were really not kin to Uncle Willie, but he decided he just played along. He really didn't bust them out. So they went through the rest of that family reunion. They partook of the meal, all of the fellowship. They sang all the family songs, and they were even in all of the family photos. So now there's a hundred cooks with family photos of three imposters in that photograph. They were imposters, but they were ma- able to make it all the way through that family reunion without really being detected. And you know, we have the same thing today going on in our churches. We have people that can come to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday all of their life. They can act like they are Christians. After all, how hard is it really to act like a Christian? come to church uh, every now and then, you know now, when we were coming up, regular church attendance was four out of four Sundays. Now with the generation coming behind us, regular church attendance is maybe one out of six. So you can come to church occasionally, you can give a little money, you can even learn to pray and be supposed as a Christian, but being a counterfeit. We even have men standing behind our pulpits today, we talked about this a little bit in Sunday school, who are here as a vocation, not as an advocation. They're actually counterfeit, a counterfeit Christian. I want to read you an account if you want to turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts. Acts 8, starting in the 5th verse. You know, there's things to detect that counterfeit money. If you go into a store now and if you give them a bill, any, well, even a 20 now, what do they do? They hold it up to the light and look at it and they'll mark it with some kind of a pen. You know, it's a shame we don't have something like that that we can do with people who are supposed to be Christians. acting to be Acting like a Christian is really fairly easy. It's a shame that we have people that do that because even worse than that, it's a shame that we have Christians that are acting like unsaved people. Look at Acts there, if you would, uh, chapter 8, start in the fifth verse, and let me just tell you that this Philip that we're talking about here that's mentioned in the scriptures today is Philip the deacon. He's not Philip the disciple. This was right after or soon after the time of Stephen stoning. And if you remember the account of when Stephen was stoned, a young man by the name of Saul was standing close by, and it says tells us in the Scriptures that the people who were getting ready to throw the stones throw their coats down or their cloaks down at the feet of Saul. They took their outside garments off so they would be able to hurl those stones better. After Paul saw how Stephen died and how devoted he was to Christianity, Paul, in his own mind, says, We have got to get rid of these Christians, these people that are following after this Jesus. If we don't, they will soon overtake the Jews. So they had to, the, 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 the things got bad for them around Jerusalem. There were more of them being persecuted and put in jail, so they began to scatter And Philip finds himself in Samaria, and that's what we're going to pick up with him today. And it says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people, with one accord, gave heed unto things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles that he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voices, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsy, and that were lame, were healed." And there was great joy in the city. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city was a sorcerer, bewitched. He bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out himself with some, himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed for the leap from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard because that for a long time he had bewitched him, them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip, Philip's preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he contended with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles, which were in Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they came down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he had not fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of Jesus. They laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through laying, laying of the apostles' hands and the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also the power on whomsoever I lay, lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perisheth with thee, because thou, hast, because, thou, because thou hast through the gift of God, may thought the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for the heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, for this, thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps that through thine heart may forgive thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall and bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me that none of these things which you have spoken come upon me. A counterfeit Christian. As they began to preach there, as Philip began to preach the gospel, it says that many came to believe. And they were baptized. And they were a great following after, Peter, or after Philip. And the scripture goes on to tell us that there was such a revival going on there and there were so many coming to know Christ that they sent Peter and John down to help them, he says, because the Holy Spirit had not become home, come upon them yet, then only they'd been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now we find this man Simon, and it says, but. Anytime you see that word in the scriptures, you need to pay attention, especially if it says, but God. Here it just says, but. There was a certain man called Simon. He was a sorcerer. You know what a sorcerer is? A sorcerer is a magician. It's another word for witchcraft. If you remember the account when Moses and Aaron went before Pharaoh and they performed the miracles that God had given them, the power to perform that Pharaoh broke forth James and Jamboree, two of his magicians, and they were able to duplicate many of the same things that Aaron and Moses did. Do you think witchcraft is here today? Certainly. Sorcerers are here today. We have people that lead us astray if we listen. It comes in many forms and many fashions because we have what we would call false prophets, false teachers and preachers who would teach another way other than Jesus Christ. We have all of these things that we hear about today. There's the, the, uh, the ministry of love, the gospel of love, All we've got to do is just love these people and let God sort it out. No, no, no. We do need to love people. He tells us that's the command. Love your neighbor as yourself, but there's nowhere there that says anything about my love is going to bring anybody salvation. The prosperity gospel, I'm sure you've heard of that. The prosperity gospel says if you will just come to my church, if you will give your money to my church, and if you'll just live a good life, then God is going to prosper you. In other words, there's pie in the sky and a sweet by and by. That's not going to happen either. And of course, there's other things out there. I read somewhere, I believe in a week or so ago, that there are now about 43,000 different religions in the world. I don't know how many we have in the United States, and they're growing. People are breaking off from Baptists and Methodists and Presbyterians, and they're starting other churches. And a lot of the names I found out that we see is when they tie the name community to something. Community church, community center church, or this kind of church is to get away from the things of traditionalism. They don't want to be like we are. They want to be something different, counterfeit Christians in all walks of life. What does he tell us in the scripture about these sorcerers? We need to stay away from them. Fortune tellers, I don't know if any of you have ever had your fortune told. I think God's told mine a couple of times and I didn't listen. Soothsayers, magicians, don't be dazzled by these things. Don't be dazzled by these things. Sometimes we're taken away and we see churches that have problems because a preacher idol. They set a preacher up as an idol, put him on a pedestal, and when the preacher leaves the church, what happens? The church splits and goes apart, and part of the people follow the the preacher, and part of the people try to stay, and we end up with a mess. (coughs) Counterfeit Christians. Let me tell you some of the things about a counterfeit Christian, some of the things that you might be able to pick out. Number one is uh, they'll feel guilty about missing church, but they won't feel guilty about offending or hurting a neighbor or friend. You know people like that? Every time the door is open to the church, they're here. They'll be there. But they don't have anything in their heart for their friends or their neighbors. If they hurt them, it's, it's okay. It'll all be worked out. They believe that attendance is necessary. Church attendance won't save us, folks. You know, this building is not the church. The church is this group. A body of baptized believers. You make up the church. Attendance is not going to save us. You standing here in this church today will not make you a Christian or save you any more than standing in a garage is going to make you a car. You think about that a minute. Church attendance doesn't have but but these counterfeit Christians believe that they must be in church. They must be seen. It must be known that they were there. That Sunday you can't value church attendance more than you value people you need to value those that are around you number two they believe the Bible is more important than Jesus and don't get this wrong the Bible is very important it's God's Word we need to study the Bible we need to read the Bible we need to know about the Bible but we need to know the author we can know everything there is in the Bible. We can read through the Bible time and time again. We can memorize verses from here to Boca Chica. And you know what? If we don't know the author, we don't know anything. All we know is a bunch of words. The Bible is not more important than Jesus himself. We must know Jesus. Memory verses are good. I don't know enough memory verses. Melissa has over the years tutored and taught kids Bible verses and she knows way more than I do. But thanks to Google I can find them. Look them up. They believe that God can only be found inside the walls of a building like this. They believe, a counterfeit Christian believes that the only place that God is going to be real to them or real to you, is inside the walls of a church building like this. And you know that's not true. What did Jesus say? Go. Where did he say go? Everywhere. Into all parts of the world. He's everywhere. We don't have to come here to have an experience with Jesus. To know him. He's not more important than being here in this church today than it is knowing Jesus. Jesus says, go, and the church is everywhere that you are today. Another thing you can tell by a counterfeit Christian is they're going to take pride in good works. What do good works get you? Nothing. Nothing. There's no way that you or I can do anything of our own work-wise to earn our salvation. Nothing. But a counterfeit Christian thinks that if they give their money, if they do good things, if they make people happy, that they are attaining, so to speak, a crown of glory. Nothing is further from the truth, because he said all these things are like filthy rags. But they believe that. Good work should come after salvation. And because of salvation, not for salvation. If we are saved, if we've had an experience with Jesus Christ, if we know Him as our Savior, then we should want to work for Him. But we can't work our way into heaven. We can't attain our salvation through things that we might do. Salvation comes free, it's through grace. Through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's the other thing today, these counterfeit Christians will tell us and try to convince us that there are more ways to the Father, that there are more ways to heaven than just Jesus. If you remember in Galatians, Paul had trouble with this everywhere he went, everywhere he started the church. As soon as he left, these Judaizers would rise up and say, Christ alone is not enough. You know what it takes for salvation? Christ plus what? Nothing. Christ plus nothing. Christ alone is all. I think of Oprah Winfrey. I remember her making the statement that all roads lead to God. Can you imagine thinking that? Can you imagine believing that, that all roads lead to God? When we know that there are some things out there that are not, right to being taught today. We have people that will tell us that there are only a few that are going to heaven. There's only a few that can be saved. What does the scripture say? He wishes that who, all should not perish, but all would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Another way you can tell a counterfeit Christian is when you see them outside of church. When you see them somewhere else, how they act out there, how they act in the workplace, how they act when you see them at a ball game. Really, you can tell how a counterfeit Christian how they treat people that can do absolutely nothing for them in return. You get that? How do you treat people that can do absolutely nothing for you in return? They put on that... Mask, if you will, that hypocritical thing when they come through those doors of the church and their demeanor changes, their attitude changes, the smile comes on their face, and they probably just uh, had an argument with a wife and slapped three kids before they got out of the car. Well, I don't know about that. Maybe, you know, maybe some others of us do that. Not slap our wife, I'm sorry. But uh, fuss at the kids, maybe. Another way you can tell a counterfeit Christian is if somebody comes to you because they know that you're a Christian, and they come to you and they ask you a question like this, brother, do you really think such and such is sin? Now that could be anything from alcohol to gambling to adultery, or you name it, do you really think God meant that this is sin? if they ask you a question like that, you need to witness to them because they've been a counterfeit Christian. If God said it's sin then, it's still sin now. We're not going to rewrite, he's not going to rewrite the Bible for any generation that is or will come. The word of God stands true. But if they ask that question, do you really think, do you really think that this is sin? You know, it's kind of like We talked about the Garden of Eden this morning. It's kind of like when the serpent came to to Eve. What did he say? God didn't really say that you would die. Surely he didn't say that you would die. You know, that's the way that these people work and that's the way that we see these things get into our churches and into our life is the subtleness that they can do. It's really okay. It's really okay. Just one time, who's going to know? Nobody will ever know but just you and God. But they'll try to convince us that these things are okay. Do you really think this is sin? Counterfeit Christians will get into false doctrine. That's where we need to be careful with our who we let stand behind God's pulpit. We've got eight churches in the county right now without... A pastor. We've got eight search committees that are working trying to find a pastor. I pray for them. I've been on those search committees, and all of them didn't turn out real well. Some of the times we did really well. Some of the times we ran ahead of God. We got tired. We got wore out, we got disgusted, and we actually put a man sometimes in the pulpit that really didn't need to be there. Then it caused trouble in the congregation, it caused trouble in our church altogether, and we ended up with a bad situation trying to get that person out of God's pulpit. Our search committees today really need to be careful who they choose and who they put behind the pulpit. I believe that the seminaries are part of the reason for this because of some of the things that are being taught down there. And since I didn't go to seminary, I can say that. But they don't preach the Word of God as it's written or as it is. False doctrines. False doctrines. Philippians 3, 1 through 3. I think I just need the first part of that to really make a point. All these marked Philippians 3 just read the, the first two verses we'll get the point across finding my brother rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you to me indeed is not grievous but for you it is safe here it is beware of dogs beware of evil workers Beware of the concession. Beware of the dogs. Over in Second Timothy he tells us that there will come a time at the at the end of where people will turn away from the doctrine, the true doctrine. They won't want to hear preaching like we preach. They won't want to hear the word of the gospel, but they'll want preachers to stand before them and it says tickle their ears. That'll be those that are counterfeit Christians. You know, I told you that little story about those three girls at the beginning. And as they made their journey through that reunion, there was one older man. There will always be an ancient of age. There will always be an ancient of age. When we come to that final meeting, when we come to that final gathering there's going to be an ancient of age and you know he's going to. we're going to have to stand before him and he's going to know whether we've been a counterfeit Christian or not he's going to separate and part us so we need to be sure that what we believe is biblical that what we teach is scriptural that the way we treat people is godly The way we live our life is like he would have us to live it. That we're the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That we're going to treat people the same wherever we are. We're not going to have any favoritism. That we'll not be considered or even thought to be a counterfeit Christian. But we say that we are one of the ones who is, we might say, died in the war. That we're covered by the blood of Christ. What about you this morning? There's any kind of decision that you need to make today. Do you know some of these people that you need to be praying for, that are living this life of a counterfeit Christian? I'm always glad if he'd come and lead us in a, a verse of hymn of invitation. If there's any kind of decision you need to make today, whatever it might be, if there's something on your heart that you just need to come and pray about, I'm sure one of these deacons or Clay would be glad to talk with you. I will you want to make this your church home, whatever the decision might be, I'd ask that you come sing with us, brother, have a word of prayer, and then we'll sing. Father, I thank you for the day again, Lord, I thank you for the blessings that you have given us in it, thanks for the many things that you've bestowed upon us, Lord, I thank you for all the things that you put in our care, and I thank you, Lord, for Jesus, I thank you for salvation, Lord, and I thank you for saving me. Lord, I just pray that you be with this church, Lord, that you continue to bless them in the work that you big Brother Jeff as he's away, Lord, that you would return to him safely. Lord, we just thank you for his ministry. Lord, we just pray you be with us now, that everything that we say and do would be to uplift and glorify up you if your kingdom's safe. I beg it in Jesus' name.